Hi everyone, I'm Jay Howard, and you're listening to Making Cash, a podcast about the Reynolds College of Arts, Social Sciences, and Humanities, or CASH. I like to talk to professors, graduates, and community members in Springfield, Missouri about their work. And today, my guest is Stacy Rice, Senior Instructional Designer in the Faculty Center for Teaching and Learning at Missouri State University. In today's episode, we're diving deep into a topic that has been transforming the way we learn and teach. Artificial intelligence, whether in the form of chatbots like ChatGPT, which is available online, or in the form of specific educational technology platforms like Packback or Perusal, are changing the educational landscape in ways that I wouldn't have imagined possible just a few years ago. Stacy was one of the very first people on campus that I was aware of to tackle the questions posed by AI. She wrote a post for the FCTL blog back in January titled Artificial Intelligence and Its Impact on the Classroom. So I reached out to Stacy to ask her whether we're all going to be okay. In the upcoming conversation, we talk about the benefits AI brings to both students and educators and the novel challenges we must navigate together. I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you do, please consider sharing this podcast with a friend. And if they don't know what a podcast is or how to subscribe to one, please teach them. Thanks very much for listening. All right. I'm here today with Senior Instructional Designer for the Faculty Center for Teaching and Learning, Stacy Rice. Stacy, thanks a lot for joining me today. Thanks for having me. As I was researching for this interview, I was looking around some old social media posts, and I found a blast from the past. This Uh is um, throwback (laughs) Thursday, as it were, from the Faculty Center for Teaching and Learning. And this was posted on March 13th, 2020, a a very particular day in the life of, well, the world. Um, March 13th, 2020, it says, Oh my gosh. Stacy Rice is here to help you get your course on Blackboard. Sessions are being held hourly from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Meyer Library 206. No need to register. Just show up, attend the session, and get some boomer bites. And there is an image that said, Keep calm and keep teaching with some uh, chocolate covered pretzels. So do you yeah. remember this era? I hope I'm not tri- oh triggering anything. <laughs> no, not triggering. Because, <laughs> um, you know, it, it actually was really good for the center and um, myself as well. But it probably was the most chaotic thing professionally ever in my 20 plus years of doing this. And yeah. Um, I have to agree. <laughs> now the uh trying to run something every hour on the hour we didn't know how many people would be coming um it did get a little chaotic but i think we got as many that wanted the help yeah to get migrated into more to, to blackboard as i look back on that time i almost just can't believe it like i mean i so i i had taught online previously and mm-hmm. i had seated sections that semester we go home for spring break and we come back, or rather we don't come back. We don't come back, yeah. And instead we're online. And I can only imagine how difficult it would be for someone who had never taught online before. Um, and that may be any number of, of my, my colleagues, you know, and, and it's just like, boom, 
it's not like we gear up gear up for this for a year and maybe test it and oh do some ho humming. It's like right. no, nope, we're doing this and you need to you need to know how to do it. Um, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's always surprising the level of technical skill, and it's not just our faculty. I mean, even the students. You, we assume. Um, a certain age group of students has access, knows technology, but then we also assume, you know, that if you're teaching and you're answering email, then you're probably using all the other things. And yeah. so that was a little surprising to find that we had some faculty that barely functioned using email that I was now having to somehow get them to use an LMS, you know, our, our particular platform, Blackboard, in, in the matter of, you know, just a day. And yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> well, trial <laughs> but by. But we did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you were you were um, at your position at the Faculty Center for Teaching and Learning. You were helping many of us um, learn how to do it. Right. So I see that you've been at the university since 2014. Um, Almost 10 years. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Areas of expertise include adult student learning, online course development and delivery, educational technology. So let me ask you a, sort of the origin story question, um, <laughs> and you can go back as far as you like, but where were you before Missouri State University? So we go back to, I'm going to say, like getting into education in general. I used to work for OTC. Me too. Um yeah, yay! <laughs> they were the beginning of my my career in higher ed, and I worked a lot of offices there. But then uh, I started out in admissions, and it got a little boring because you only process so many applications. Uh, did a little financial aid work because I was bored, and they were right okay. behind me. Their office was directly behind me, and it was like, "Do you have anything?" Because you know this was gosh, ninety eight. But then I, you know, after being there a couple of years, found the distance learning department. And then that was kind of home for me for pretty much till I got here. Very cool. So instructional designer, what does that uh, work look like? It's varied. Um, and it depends, you know, corporate versus higher ed. It's different. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but there's still a lot of project management processes for developing. A lot of times it's just training materials. Sometimes it's more you know, helping individuals, like we have to identify the need, what the need is, does there need to be training involved um, with that? Or is it more informed, you know, just maybe there just needs to be a correction. Sometimes it's just a correction mm -hmm. in, in things, uh, but it's about asking lots of questions. And so that's one of the things we always warn faculty when they get involved in like a course development stage with us. Uh, sometimes there are a lot of questions depending on how much information we already have. Yeah. Um, and that's part of our job is to ask the questions and then help you follow a process to get from, you know, X to Z over here. Very nice. Well, I really appreciated your blog post on what's happening in the FCTL about artificial intelligence and its impact on the classroom. And that's just kind of the focus of our conversation today. It's something that I know um, a lot of people have been writing about. A lot of people have been talking about it. And were you... Um, can talk about how it will affect the classroom to the extent that we have a crystal ball, uh, you know, here at Missouri State. I'd love to open by just uh, kind of telling a story of my class and then to kind of get, um, get your take on it. Okay. Um, so I'm teaching a special topics class in my department 
It's, I'm calling it Speeches That Changed the World. And it's basically a speech analysis class where okay. they watch a video of a historic speech, the students do, and then they analyze it according to guidelines, uh, focusing on the language use uh, and the, the vivid sort of artistic rhetorical devices. I taught this class in the second block of the spring 2023 semester. So at the beginning of, of the semester, I barely knew what chatbot GPT was. And now at, you know, at the end of the semester, I'm calling it Cheatbot. Uh, Cheatbot. <laughs> <laughs> because, like uh, because it's a paper-based class. Um, like in, in order to show their learning, in order to demonstrate their knowledge, they need to analyze this, the, the text or the speech that I've um, you know, given them or that they've chosen. And it's an online class. Um, okay. There are 44 students in the class. And so I, um, I don't conference one-on-one -on -one in person with each student for each assignment. There's a lot of assignments. And so that's the snapshot is this is sort sure. of a typical class where it's a paper-based yeah. class. They have three or four big papers as well as the other journal assignments, which are also writing, readings, lectures, and, you know, all that good stuff. And I am very confident that students are using chatbot and I don't know it. You know, because I've I've tried it before myself. I was like, um, give chatbot, give me a thousand words on Martin Luther King Jr.'s "I Have a Dream" speech, yeah, and uh, focus specifically on, you know, Dr. King's use of metaphor in the first paragraph, and it's like no problem. Here it is. What else you got? You know, it's and um, <laughs> and so I know that people are are have the ability to cheat, and I know that I don't have the ability to catch it. That's not something that Safe Assign is going to catch. Um, I know that there are sort of detectors out there where I can copy and paste the text into the detector, and it'll give me the percentage likelihood that this was generated by by a chatbot or wasn't. But but I don't feel confident in what those numbers are. Maybe if it was like a hundred percent likelihood, and this was a credible yeah. detector, okay, I can sort of bring this issue to the student's attention and. Um, maybe get the Office of Academic Integrity involved to the extent that that, that's, that they have a policy on this, you know. Anyway, so that is my story, and I'm just sort of yeah. being honest about how the, how the class has gone. The class has gone great. The students are yeah. learning a lot. I got good feedback on it, but I do still have this concern, and I see it. Sure. Uh, I see us sort of hurtling toward, um, as, as students learn more and more about what this is, and as it gets better and better, We've, we have issues. Uh, so what are yeah. we going to do about it? Right. <laughs> I mean, this is like the zero hour or like we started our conversation uh, earlier talking about, you know, the advent of the pandemic. And that was a huge mm -hmm. world changing thing. Of course, it was ho horrible. And so I hate to draw an analogy. Right. But this is going to turn people's lives upside down as well in ways that we don't quite know. Right. Um, at the same time, I have heard commentators say that the anxiety that I am feeling is misplaced. It, what, like they, the people have suggested that what I'm really anxious about is the future. <laughs> like sure. just, just vaguely generalized, just in general, there's lots of questions and unknowns. Oh, yeah. And so just because there's this new AI, I, we're going to focus all that, all those feelings on this new thing and vilify it. And if, you know, people have said, if, if we try to fight this, we will lose. 
you know, as an, yeah. as an industry or as a profession. Um, so th- while the instinct is just let's circle the wagons and ban it. Right. Um, what, uh, not the right way to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would agree. You, you, it's here. It's been here. I was reading an article. Um, Tracy Gross is our faculty developer. And we sit and have these conversations all the time. We're both kind of geeks. And she has math background. I'm the instructional designer, you know, so it's like mine is all about processes and and things. And of course that fits nicely with math thinkers because they also like processes. And so we just naturally start to have these conversations mm. about the what ifs, Yeah, you know. Um, and where I think it, it hits us all in the anxiety is our identity as academics mm. because here we have this computer seemingly creating things that were held, you know, that are held to a different standard because it's academic writing and, and things, you know, and so, and that it's appearing to create things that I've spent most of my life working towards and doing. And here in five minutes, I prompt it with a question and it's spitting out something that's actually not horrible. I joke with her that, you know, maybe I should start dusting off my resume, but then I'm trying to decide, well, what jobs would be safe from AI and there won't be one because the whole point with technology is to improve the human experience you know to make things easier to take out the what they call the boring in the weeds stuff so that you can move on higher faster produce more but we've forgotten that that in the weeds thing is a lot where the learning takes place Mm. or the or the way that we're teaching now is where the learning takes place sure yeah, you know, and so it is. It's it is scary, um, but this stuff is. We've been helping it for decades because I remember when well, I was back in Northwest Arkansas at the time, and some of your publisher platforms were starting to talk about their new, you know, plat- learning platforms that are going to uh, analyze your student responses on test questions, and either they would get fewer questions or more questions, or it would redirect them to resources and those are those are ai tutoring tools that sure. and that was back you know what early 2010 to now and we didn't really think anything of it well you make a really good point that it is the nature of technology to improve we mm-hmm. we want it to like that's the right. whole point and um but yeah the, the i think you you also make a good point that there's part of the anxiety is about like replacing us you know that ai will replace us and i I always just think like um yeah that's that is something (laughs) that is that is something (laughs) to worry about but but yeah as as far as like learning goes uh the specific problem of of cheating um is, Uh is novel but then again there are some historical comparisons too i mean and I was, as I was reading about this, someone pointed out that, you know, academics still haven't embraced mobile technology. Like, right. you know, cell phones are banned in the classroom. Um, yeah, we're still banning those. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure people who teach composition probably have opinions about spell check, you know, sure. like th- things that things that we use every day that were new at one point. Yeah, um, like the calculator. Of course, yeah. You know, and, and the other example that comes to my mind is Wikipedia. Um, yeah. And I remember going through that where everyone was against Wikipedia in, oh, yeah. when it first came out. Oh, don't use it. You know, credible sources. 
Uh, and no one at the time anticipated the ways in which Wikipedia would mature and yeah. become the central hub of all human knowledge, right. you know? <laughs> right. Um, I remember feeling like if you got caught using it just, just to help you get started, it was like a Game of Thrones. You'd be walking down the street and they're going, shame, Yes, shame, yeah, exactly. Know? And so, and now, but the difference is that chatbot, GPT, and other generative AIs, it appears that they do the writing for you. They're not just a place to start, like with research, right. like Wikipedia. They're not just a, a tool or an assistant, like spell check or calculators. Um, maybe more with calculators. I, and to your point about how this isn't really something that's new, it's like we've had versions of this in the past. I think about how Deep Blue beat Garry Kasparov, the chess mm. grandmaster, some time ago. And that was big news at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but people weren't really worried about it at the time because right. chess, that's a narrowly focused right. activity. But with chatbot, it's good not at chess, but at language. Mm -hmm. Everything humans do runs on the operating system of language. Uh, right. in, the, in the realm of culture, our laws, our language, right. our, you know, our traditions, our institutions, our documentation, so much is language that it seems like a genuinely startling thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So many of the think pieces I'm reading, they focus on what AI can't do. Right. Like, well, it doesn't sound good in this way or it's still lacking in this. But I find it not comforting because not. at the moment, like, like that's right now. <laughs> yeah. It's as AI is as bad as it will ever be. It will never get worse. Right. It will only get better. Right. Um, I, f I find it. I just want to close my eyes and imagine like a utopia where the robot overlords replace all our jobs, but also at the same time we have universal basic income and sure. uh, everybody lives in harmony and it's all sort of a hippie commune and stuff. I get um, you. I asked the question the other day. If you watch Star Trek, you know what the people on the ship are doing. You know, they they run the ship, but they're actually not really running the ship. The ship runs itself. They just. You know, I'd say that with the exception of the engineering folks. So, like, yeah, we know what their job is, and we know what the doctor's job is. Although it's inherently easy now because all he does is, you know, <laughs> done a little thing over you, beep beep beep, and you're cured of whatever cancer or yeah, whatever you had, and everybody lives forever. But then you go down to the planet. What are those people doing? Like, how do they earn their money? Because right now, our reality is that you have to, you know, you have a particular type of job that earns you a particular kind of salary because goods cost so much. Yeah, and that, yeah there's no universal anything. We don't um, have a replicator technology like they do in, in Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just looking for a transporter system. Oh, man, yeah. You know, I forget traffic. Uh, that would be so great. Um, but I'm also not signing up for it. I saw the fly. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, I do wonder if I get transported, do I die where I am? And then a, a, right. a totally new me uh, gets right. like reconstructed from some some matter there. I, uh, still, if it, if it saves me the drive time, I, you know, I'm, I'll sign up for sure. it. I've had a good run. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> but then, you know, the I don't know if you've watched, what is the Will Smith movie where you have the three laws and... Oh, yeah. It's based on yeah. a, a classic um, Ivan Asmarov or something, a yes. classic um, sci-fi story. I Am Robot. Is that yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
And, you know, that because its whole premise is the computer doesn't really have a gray area. Its interpretation of what we've programmed into it became more extreme yes. because they inherently saw us a danger to ourselves. So now we must lock you down so that you stop hurting yourselves. Welcome, robot overlords. I, I keep right? saying it. You know, they're not wrong. But I also don't want to be a prisoner with my robot assistant. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't understand my sarcasm and will probably be interpreted <laughs> as hostile. So yes. I'm not sure how well I would work out there. I've seen lots of hu uh, humorous interpretations of that. Like yes. there was a comic just the other day that said, I am I, I am AI. I am superior to you in every way. I am as far above you as you are above chickens. I will now research how humans have treated chickens. Right. <laughs> That's a scary thought. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think you have to approach everything with a nervous caution. Like you can't just go, "Ooh, this is this is cool," and just be good with it. I think you have to like, and maybe this again goes back to my profession and. I've been so ingrained in asking questions and thinking through things. I'm, you know, I try to be reflective and think, okay, well, this is really, I think this is really cool, but, but what, you know, yeah. what's the, the long-term what ifs, you know? And I think, yes, I think we all are concerned with, you know, the academic integrity um, that our students, um, that they honor those things. But, you know, we don't have conversations about that, though. We just assume that our students understand what, what academic integrity is. But really what they think of it is, is more of, um, it's all about the cheating and the plagiarism. It's not about acting with academic integrity and what that looks like and why that's important. And we don't have those conversations. And so, but we expect them to act that way. Are you, are you, and so then enters the tool. Okay. Uh, you're saying that the academic integrity conversation should be a positively valenced conversation rather than a negative yeah. or punitively based. Yeah. So like our, yeah, our identity as students and scholars should, we want, we want to embody these values Yeah. for positive reason. Yeah. Right. And then we can take tools like, like chat GPT and instead of a, worrying about that they're using it we help them learn to use it because it's going to be there we can't ignore it and it'll it's not an i'll ignore it and it'll go away situation it's how can we help them mm -hmm. but then we also have to look at things like you know i'm finishing up my dissertation and thinking about that academic writing process and academic language would be easy to mimic by a computer because we cut the human yeah. out of the oh, writing yeah. so much. And an AI isn't human. It doesn't have experiences. And that's the thing that it falls short. And I don't know that it will ever catch up because they can't have the living experience. What is it to be human and to be able to reflect on those experiences? And so, you know, that's one way really to kind of let it, be out there to help the student. Maybe you have a student that has trouble forming ideas. It's the Wikipedia of today. You know, start there and then let's leverage what it can give you and then bring in your experiences. Because if we take that reflection and um, sharing of experience out, then yeah, we make it really easy. Uh, I love to uh, dig into that a little bit, the reflection and the sharing of experiences. Yeah. And if, if we could, um, well... 
I'll just ask that. What do you yeah. What do you mean by um, as an instructional designer? What does reflection and sharing mean to you in the classroom? How does it help students? What are some ways it can look? Well, we want. I mean, it's not you know. There's when they're learning, they need to reflect on the process of learning, and so a lot of times we're just looking for an end product. Yes. We care less about the journey that got them to the end product. Yes, right. I actually care more about the journey of course. than the end product. Yeah. And and in that, that's messy. And you know, that's where but that's where they learn to be reflectful and start to kind of question their own thought processes and how they got there. It's metacognition, you know, that's the the buzzword we use. It's not really a buzzword, it is what it is, but metacognition. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thinking about thinking. Yeah. And let's think about a lot of when we talk about, well, what is our goal for students? What we want out of these classrooms? And a lot of times it comes back, we want them to be better critical thinkers, but then we don't give them opportunity to practice because we're focused on a product, not a process. Sure. Teaching of the test and stuff. Yeah. Well, let me try to explore how to apply this insight to a redesign of my speeches that change sure. the world class, if I may. Yeah. Um, and my goal is not, it, it's, it's not to like catch plagiarism, but to reduce the okay. need for it in the first place or the opportunity. Um, sure. and so right now it is a, you know, the paper is the culminating, it's the product. It's the end product right. you're talking about. Right. And, and there's always an end product. It's gotta be part of it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. But there are, there's a week by, there's a weekly modules, you know, weekly folders, all that good stuff. And. Um, I, I have heard it suggested that like, you know, conference with students throughout, um, cause if, if you ask a student something face to face, they should, mm -hmm. they should, you know, they can talk about the ideas in their head or yeah. not very tellingly, sure. you know, um, and that it would be a potential way to catch it. Um, but of course that does involve face, face to face time. Um, is that the only solution or is that even no. your first go-to? So I even, it's not, yeah. um, because that's a, that's a lot to do, especially with 44 students. Now I teach much smaller and, Well, and that's one section. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, now I will say the larger your class size gets, the harder it is going to be potentially to really, unless you just change your instructional process to, to catch these things, because part of it is... The bigger your class, the more the less individualized attention you actually your bandwidth is shorter, so you can't give them yeah. more of you. You can't, we aren't cloning ourselves yet. I know we've got the sheep and stuff, but um, <laughs> we're not yet to do it. People, good lord, don't bring me back for a podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so something I do in my own classes, and I've I've just always done this because I want to know their thought process. It's just as important as the outcome. So I teach um, classes typically that are about teaching um, or teaching with technology. I've taught some ed tech courses in the past, but I have them journal their thoughts about what they've listened to or what we've talked about. Um, and in those, they need to share their own experiences, just what they think. Yeah. So there's no, there's no threat to it. There's no, you get the points because points are currency. So you have to put points on it. They won't do it if there's no points. So it's a low stakes. Just give me how you feel. There's no right or wrong. Yeah. Um, but then I expect to see that. Then I know I'm starting to know them yeah. and their conversational style. But then also I should see some of that reflected in the final 
product because I'm just trying to create this asynchronous dialogue with them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then I'm also asking questions. So like, it's not just a, just telling me what you think, but in all the material I gave you, was anything confusing, you know, or was there anything that was just like, this is great. It stuck out and, you know, give me the highs and lows essentially, because I don't, care how good chat gpt gets it's not in the room with you it's not in the lms if it's a an asynchronous course it doesn't know the conversations that have happened and we need to be bringing that yeah those reflective pieces into our work and so yeah the journal is a is a, a great tool for something like that oh it is i love journaling i don't like doing it myself but <laughs> I love seeing my students' thoughts. Yeah. Show you know. your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's quite hard to fake. I could uh, go to <laughs> chatbot GPT and say, tell me what I thought this week. I needed to give, right. give some material, right. material exactly. to my teacher. Uh. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then also forming where are they going with what their bigger project is? Because, you know, help them also so they don't have to lean on the chat GPT. I fully believe most students do not set out to cheat for the sake oh, right. of just cheating. It's it's usually something that's pushed them there. There's all these demands we don't think about that are going on. They just exist in our 50-minute class or our online space. And, you know, they've got classes that are, I've got to read 100 pages and take this quiz in a week's time. And then over here in this class, I've got, you know, um, other writing and reading. And because and, we, we're really you know, on the whole text generated resources. We don't do a lot of video, which helps hmm. compress some of that time too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I agree. I, th I think um, we do sometimes underestimate or it's easy to forget how, how busy our students genuinely are. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I'm sure that my the learning still has to happen. They still have to yeah. do things that have to be done. And I'm certain that all of my students understand that my class is the most important thing in their life. Um, sure. <laughs> but uh, that's not that's to say nothing of the two or three jobs that they may have and the family right. that they're taking care of and the, right. and the whether they're driving or whether a car is in the shop. Yeah. They're not just telling me it's in the shop. Maybe it really is in the shop. Right. Um, and right. so now they're taking the city bus, and there's that's yeah. a, it takes it's a long wait, and it rained on them, and it's just it's a hard they're position. It is ludicrously overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, but like I said, these AI they're great. They're but they aren't creative. Mm -hmm. They're just they're not creating anything that isn't out there accessible to them. And so you know we do a lot of write this paper and especially now in this case, I'm talking about classes where writing is not the outcome. That's not, you know, why do we keep having them write papers? Why don't we let them choose how they give us what oh, they yeah. know? So maybe a, a project of some kind, or maybe let them make a movie or, you know, is, is there another way to demonstrate? But it also means you have to really know what the outcomes of your content are. Right, right. You know. And I can see how, yeah, it would be very different across all disciplines. Um, and, you know, here I'm in the communication uh, discipline. And so we're very interactive, small class sizes, lots of sure. lots of communicating, you know. Right. Um, and so I, our pedagogical techniques, our go-tos may or may not be exactly what they're using in the next building, next academic building over. Right. So, but from your position, you... Um, are working with all of us, I suppose. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then I have this, um, just from my own personal experiences with students with disabilities, things like that, I'm very in tune to like universal design for learning became um, accessibility is even a topic of my dissertation. So, you know, thinking about how limiting we can be sometimes when, when what we're asking from our students. And it's just because, well, this is what I did when I was a student. Right. So this is what I know. We don't teach faculty to teach in higher education. We want your expertise and we just assume because you've gone through all of it that you know how to teach and you're just going to go forth and do. Right, right, right. Which is just, you know, horrifying sometimes to really think about the lack of support faculty sometimes get in, in doing this job that's so incredibly important. So it's, yeah, absolutely the case that probably 99 out of 100 PhDs or whatever the person's education level is that's appropriate to their terminal degree in their area yeah. was didn't include a pedagogy class. No, um, but now now they're teachers. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and so and, and usually modeling somebody that they really thought was a good teacher or sure. I will never do that to my students kind of thing, you yeah. know, because I've had examples of, of faculty that in my journey that I'm like, I that was a horrible class. I don't ever want to be that way to wow, this was the best instructor I've ever had. And I want to be like them. And so you think about the things that they did. And then that's that's the training that mm-hmm. happened, um, in which it really isn't training. It's just you doing the best you can with what you know. Sure. Yep. And we're all just looking for new, more tools in the toolbox. Sure. And, and you've got people knocking on your door all the time with the next literal AI tool that is going to revolutionize, you know, your class. And I think about things like, you know, I mentioned Packback in the journal article. Oh, yeah. Or the journal, the blog article. Um, we have a lot. It, it had a growing little audience happening. And in theory, yes, it's a great tool mm-hmm. because it's about making the student ask better questions. So it's, it's one of those, what they call it, like a tutoring tool. Um, but it's also analyzing the language and the text. But then what's happening? You're disengaging from that conversation, you know. So do you have as good a handle on what's happening in your discussion boards? Because you're now you've got this AI tool that's going to score things for you. And, Hmm. you know, that it's done a lot of the work that should really be the instructors. But we're so overworked. You're stretched. You're, you know, (laughs) heaven forbid you're going for tenure, um, you know, on top of teach more and more students getting put in your course because, you know, funding for education is what it is. Yeah. Um, so then we rely on those things. Yeah, there's a lot to think about here. I teach the COM 115 class, the Introduction to Public Speaking class. I, ha- yeah. I haven't taught it in a long time, but it is one of my favorites to teach. Yeah. And it's one of the classes that students typically take pretty early in their career, and everyone has to take it unless they t- transfer it in. And and so it's not a GEP class or anything, but we do do a lot of welcome to university life. Here's the way things go type of type of yeah. conversations. And um, I always do have a, um, an academic integrity segment of syllabus sure. day. I know some teachers skip syllabus day altogether um, because it's boring and stuff, but I think they're, yeah. I think it's important and there are ways to do it. But um, 
Yeah, because there's that there's that clause in the standard syllabus. You're, the things you turn in should be your own independent yeah. original work. And we talk right. about what those words mean. What does independent mean? What does original mean? Right. Um, independent original work. So that means like you can't write a paper for another class and turn it in for this class because that's sure. that means that violates the um, original part. Uh, right. Um, where it's, it's you know generated for the specific assignment. Um, but do we answer the question of why we have these like why? Yeah. Because here's ChatGPT complicates it because. And so, a good, you know, best practice everybody's talking about is having them, say, use it to outline their paper. Maybe it's a topic they don't feel comfortable, maybe, you okay. know, that they're exploring new. So at what point, you know, I mean, they've got a reference that they used it somewhere, but at what point when they stop using it, is it really their idea? You know, I used to have a frustrating, in my bachelor's program, I had an instructor once that told us there was no such thing as original thought. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting yeah. conversation. Yeah. yeah. Let's just say I just really disliked that course because I, I wasn't reading things. I was literally writing my opinion. Yeah. And this was early in my learning to learn to, to write academic writing. Okay. And he wanted citations for almost every sentence I spewed <laughs> out. And it's like, but I said this and he's like, there is no original thought. And it's like, okay, whoa. Okay, yes, my thoughts were influenced by something, but the way I internalized it and spat it back out, well, that's, isn't that mine? You know? Yeah, and I feel like even if I, even if someone thought of this before me, it's still true, if, if it still can be true that I independently arrived at the same conclusion somebody else arrived at. Right. Um, so, you know, don't take that away from us. Uh, right. <laughs> And that, but that's been an argument before this was even a thing. This was, you know, early days of internet. Even uh, still going to the library to get stuff, you know, oh, instead yeah. of, uh, you know, having all the databases at my fingertips. But um, where does the originality start for the for the student, especially if we let them start utilizing these tools? And I think we have to have that conversation. Like, so do we do we cite it as a resource? Because I mean, you still have to. It's not like it's a peer-reviewed resource. It's like Wikipedia. It, it doesn't cite its sources either, for the most part. No, um, unless you ask. Really? Yeah, you uh, can ask it to do it. I mean, we don't... I kind of keep going back to spell check. We don't cite spell check. Um, right. I, frankly, I, with spell check, I do think that a, a fully educated adult shouldn't need it for the most part. Right. And not just spelling, but grammar, especially like a per yeah. person ought to know how to use punctuation marks, you know, um, should. and but um, who's punctuation because you're, you know, there's APA, there's MLA and there's slight differences. And oh, I just meant periods just at the end general. of sentences. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I don't know anything about that. Is it <laughs> is it semicolon parenthesis period or right? period semicolon? That's and right. I only bring that up because I'm still mired in it. Like I'm you're working you know, on your I'm dissertation. Yes. Yeah. The topic of originality, I think, is is really interesting because did you watch the television show Westworld? By I didn't. any chance? No. Um, they had sort I of like I'm going to need to. robots and androids in that show and stuff. And the one of the themes was they wanted to make the the hosts they called them as human like as possible. 
so that they wow. didn't even know whether they were um, humans or androids. And then they started flipping it on itself where they had people who thought they were humans and the humans didn't know whether they were androids or not. But one of the scenes that really sticks, sticks with me on the question of originality was this person who thought he was a person was shown a computer program that predicted the words that they were going to say as they were saying it or right before they okay. were saying it. And it was very dramatic because they're like, uh, no, I'm, I'm in control of my actions. I'm just figuring out what I want to say. And as they were saying that sentence, the sentence was appearing on the screen right before they said yeah. it. Um, but what that tells us is we human beings are word sequencers. You know, they say chatbot GPT, all it does is pick the next word in the sequence and string them together to make sentences. Um, and I feel like there's an argument to be made, uh, oversimplified and incomplete, but human beings are text sequencers as well. Like yeah. the sentence I just said, follow the rules of grammar. And there's once I start it, there's a limited number of ways it could possibly end if right. I'm trying to follow normal conventions. Sure. Um, and so how... That's not that's not really characterized as creativity. That's just you know I, I have a number of words in my head and a couple of stock phrases and stories I've told in the past, sure. and I'm putting them together in this new conversation as I'm having it. Um, and that, so I feel like that's not that different from what the chatbots are are doing. They have this massive amount of data they're trained on. I don't really mm -hmm. know how massive. Um, I get. I, I I can't even say the number like there's a I read somewhere where it was talking about how much gen information we're feeding it every day was like an unfathomable yeah. number like a quintillion type. I can't even fathom what that the number of zeros. Yeah. Well, so they know. they know more than I don't know why they don't just plug them into the an Ethernet cable and give them the whole Internet. Let, like, let them like, you know what, chatbot, get whatever you need. You know, right. <laughs> why do we have to give them certain anyway? Right. Uh, so it, so with that, it's like we have we can have original thoughts, but chatbot really is doing basically what what we do, the way we do it mm -hmm. um, with the with the caveat that neuroscientists would tell us we still don't actually understand the way we do what we do. Um, right. because you're talking about having experiences and stuff and that's a whole nother ball of wax yeah, about which I know very little. Pretty much, yeah, just right now we've been pretty much just talking about one form of AI, which is the machine learning. There is a neural network learning mm. side where it is, they, they are fascinated with the way we process information, the way our brains work and how similar that actually is, you know, to the computer network and... That actually, I find a little more frightening. Really? Than than things like the machine learning, because the machine learning, again, I go back to the it's just trying to make the life you know our lives easier. But what's the consequences of that? You know, whose <laughs> jobs are going to be affected by that? And that's and again, we get back to that concern of because you know, distance said one day, you know, when when early days of distance learning, I remember part of the argument was that online learning was gonna replace the teacher. Okay. And having to have that conversation about how that's not true. Because you still even, yeah, you're not standing in front of a class doing the whole sage on the stage thing, but we also know that's not effective for learning. There is tons of research out there telling you that lecturing is not effective. It's an important tool 
but it shouldn't be the be all end all and that it's about being having the student go and reflect and do the things like if we don't create scenarios that they actually practice what they're supposed to be learning chances of them remembering you know five ten years <laughs> down the road is actually pretty slim yes or right after the final because they're just you know it doesn't make it into long-term memory so you know you're always going to need the teacher yeah even with ai and machine learning however where it goes you're still gonna have to have people who are there to guide it yep and guide people using it yeah and i think that's where our role is going to have to start to change but we kind of have to start having a lot of conversations you know and 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 not to get into like a punitive side but we do also have to start putting together policies about acceptable use of it not you're not going to use it that's actually not acceptable it's how it is acceptable use well let me ask you about that yeah um if you had to brainstorm the language for those right now oh gosh <laughs> uh, <laughs> not to put you on the spot but this is going to be word for word on my syllabus sure. next semester <laughs> no um i don't know what uh what would you say is okay to use it for and you can pick a, a specific discipline as an example, whatever comes to mind. But also, how what teeth can we possibly give such a policy? Like, sure. uh, how can we catch it? Because, you know, I, I would hate to abdicate the arms race of, like, you know, uh, safe assign or, or plagiarism checker to, plagiar sure. to different methods of plagiarism. They have to try to keep pace with one another. Sure. Well, and chat GPT actually has an arch enemy in GPT-0 because, you know, he had that student, um, Princeton, if I remember correctly, um, like the minute it was out, he's all, that's wrong and I'm going to make a tool to catch this. And now he is exploding. I follow him. I signed oh. up for his little newsletter because I thought, well, what an interesting little project you have going here to thwart your student, you know, your fellow... <laughs> your peers ability to now use this other tool <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like you know i kind of respect it at the same time kind of like oh yeah no fun you're no fun <laughs> um <laughs> but so he's actually built relationships with some of these tools these plagiarism detection tools um you know this this kid is never going to have to have another job in his entire mm -hmm, life because mm -hmm. you know selling his algorithm but um Again, I go back to, you know, that whole basic of understanding what it means to, to act in with integrity, uh, understanding how to, you know, how they're damaging their own, you know, potential future. Because, sure, they can probably get a degree using chat GPT on every paper if they don't get caught. Um, but then what happens when they get in the real world? Yeah, hopefully they're not like... You know, going to be operating on somebody or right. something like that. Well, luckily we have clinicals, um, oh, yeah. so there are some programs that are going to not probably worry about this. In fact, thinking about the healthcare, I think I'm getting off topic of your question. That's quite all right. They're already using it. Your doctor is using it. He goes in his office and puts in your symptoms, your age, and any other medications, comorbidities, anything like that, and it's going to generate a likely probability of what you might have good and, you know they make fun of us for using <laughs> webmd um but it's kind of the same thing it's just you know it's you're dangerous with limited actual 
they have Medical the considerable knowledge. expertise but to they interpret have the cons- it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, anyway. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I always joke that go to WebMD, put in all your symptoms, and eliminate the first one because the first one is always cancer. It's definitely or cancer. Something like that. Yeah. You know. So just eliminate that one right off the bat. Not saying that it might. It could be. That would be unfortunate. But. Let's start with the lower percentages first, <laughs> likely be more accurate. No, I've got to catastrophize um, right right from the get-go. Right? <laughs> but so why is it okay once you get into the professional world that these are acceptable and it's not acceptable in the classroom? Why yeah. is there a different standard? Um, yeah. But I do think, you know, and talking about formulating um, a policy in your syllabus, maybe you don't have that policy available day one. Maybe that's something you need to work with your students. And, you know, a lot of times when we get others input, they're more likely to then honor that because they feel like they had a voice in it. Sure. And so maybe having them as a intro activity, um, define what it means to act with integrity in in academia and um what are what do they feel are acceptable uses of these tools like chat gpt yeah and what should the punishment be for someone who writes an entire paper (laughs) through a bot versus their own yeah thoughts and yeah that helps me a lot sort of clarify because it sounds like um a recurring theme in our conversation is relationships with the students, uh, making sure that they understand internally, like they mm-hmm. really do understand the what the policies say and why they are right. the way they are. Right. Um, and that, that would go a long way um, rather than... Um, like a quick reactive, yeah. do not use this. Yeah. I think there's always going to be a, a sort of a what I'll call a free rider problem. It's always going to be people who go under the radar there's, sure. there are going to be those people who cheat on every assignment and never and get had them before yeah Chat gpt they were paying people to write the paper of course oh gosh which would be harder to catch paper mills yeah yeah so there's always going to be that problem no matter what policy is put in place yeah. or what tools exist but the same thing the, the opposite is also true it's there's always going to be students who get out of it what they put into it yeah and are there to learn you know and to partner yeah. with the teacher and and who understand that academic integrity is as simple as like don't misrepresent yourself or your work. Right. You know, don't say that you did something if you didn't. Uh. Well, and let's treat it like a, like the source that it is. Yeah. So if you're going to utilize it, then just cite that you used it. Don't be dishonest about it. Yeah. You know, that's very simple. I mean, we teach them to do that with anything else they look up and where they pull their resources from. So this should be no different. And there's maybe a world where, yeah, yeah, to the extent that you're citing content, you have to cite content. But but also there may be a world where it becomes so expected and obvious that it that will cease to think of it. And what I'm thinking of, we haven't I haven't th- used this as an analogy yet, but what about the act of typing? versus handwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have to bring to anyone's attention that the paper I've turned in has been typed because right. you look at it and it's obviously been typed. And in fact, right. I don't want a paper that's handwritten from a student. Their handwriting is right. not very good. Um, and so maybe using these tools that we're talking about is just 
becoming a part of the production process of producing the kind of work that we make. Yeah. Um, in the same way that word typing, word processing, because I mean, that's what chat GPT is, is a word, word processor, sure. but we still have to feed it the right prompts and right. then do, and then act wisely with the information that it produces. Right. <laughs> right. right. I mean, it's only as good as the question you ask it. Yeah. And sometimes not yeah. even as good uh, if, no, if they I like mean... hallucinate or something. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> I think those stories are fun. <laughs> Well, and, you know, it does write with some level of bias even. Hmm. And, you know, it may not be the bias the student intended. So, oh, gosh. you know, they yeah. have to realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's going to be funny what we're going to be talking about 10 years from now. And this will have been nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'll have been the catalyst for probably a lot of change. You know, because like I said, I, I go back to cell phones and, and tablets and stuff being in the classroom. And yeah. we still we do. We still have faculty that are very anti-technology into the classroom because they think it's distracting the student. And they're like, you know, I've had this conversation about if if students not physically writing the notes because, you know, that physical writing, uh, that's how it gets into long term. Oh, yeah. And it's like. Oh, okay. So the people that did that study have done another study based off that study to find that there's literally no difference between a student typing the information or writing it physically with a pen. Yeah. I mean, do do those individuals think that there was no such thing as long-term memory prior to the invention of writing? Because human human beings lived a long time before. And do we know that the students really are learning while they're writing? They're feverishly writing every word you say or everything that's on a slide. So Don't, chances yeah. of them actually absorbing, engage, it. You know, absorbing it is pretty low because their mind is already wrapped up in you know, <laughs> that pressure of being able to take notes so they record every word you say, that they're not really hearing you. Yeah. They're listening. Yeah. But they're not really hearing you. <laughs> they're trying. So, yeah, people can't remember too, anything because they're too busy taking notes, which is exactly. so so ironic. Um, yeah. Their heart's in the right place. Their mind is, is just is. engaged in the wrong way. You only know and can work with what you yeah. have experienced <laughs> <laughs> until somebody like me comes along and tries to flip you upside down. <laughs> well, you know, you. it's, uh, it's better to... Sooner rather than later, yep. But that's what makes my job fun. <laughs> you know, I want you to work smarter, not harder. And then also, you know, that it doesn't have to be this this tug-of-war battle with students because I think inherently you have to believe inherently that our students really do want to do the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. It's, and it scares me too because I already don't understand technology as it is. And <laughs> so it's just going to get harder and harder for me to to keep up and uh, um so yeah yeah it's gonna be gonna be rough out there yes <laughs> yes it is it is but that's why that's why i think you know our jobs are gonna become more to teach let's say ai literacy for lack of better better terms maybe that is the term that sounds like a great term i probably read that it's probably not my own it's probably been buried in there because i have read so many different stories just because i find it i find it very fascinating because again well i I grew up watching a lot of sci-fi and it's scary accurate for the most part very prophetic i think you coined that just now and maybe that should be the name of our episode um ai literacy with uh, (laughs) stacy rice (laughs) 
I don't know if they're learning a lot of literacy about it, but <laughs> with in this conversation, I don't know. But I mean, we are going to have to start teaching that, and we're going to start training faculty. You can't just assume that you're, you know, plugging in somewhere, and now all of a sudden, you know all the things. We're going to have to be very proactive and to provide resources and mm. education because we can't just assume that. You've got your other interest areas. You do actually yep. have specialties that you focus on. Yep. Um, so we have to make it digestible and show you, you know, how to use it wisely and, and how to manage it, you know, with your students. And again, I go to manage it because you're not going to get rid of it. The harder you fight, the more you're losing. Yeah. Work smarter, like you said. I yes. Think. <laughs> <laughs>